And now, ladies and gentlemen, check it out. You've got to start somewhere. The podcast that takes you behind the scenes of show business to prove there's no such thing as an overnight success. With your host, Rachel Corbett. Welcome to the show. Today, I have journalist, news presenter, delightful human no. being, and one of the stars of the Today Show, Sylvia Jeffries. Hello, good to see you, Ray. So good to have you on the show. Especially when you intro me like that. <laughs> Usually, it's you introing me on I the know, show. So I know, I know. How the tables, tables have are turned. turned. <laughs> um, so, I'm going to go back in time a little bit because I feel, uh, you know, this show is all about the sort of early days of the career because you get to a stage in... Uh, in this business where you are very well known, a lot of people know your face, but they sort of have no idea about where you came from or Mm. where things started. So I want to go back super, super early and ask you what you wanted to be when you grew up as a kid. Uh, Well, from pretty early on, I wanted to be a journalist. I think I was inspired by April from the Ninja Turtles. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Although there were periods in between where I was pretty, I was a mad keen sports nut as a kid. And uh, for a while was pretty interested in sports physio. But yeah, journalism from a pretty yeah pretty early age in my life. How young do you think you were when you realised? Uh, well, certainly by the very beginning of high school, I was interested. Um, I know that my mother and father certainly impacted me in my desire to get into journalism. My father was in politics mm-hmm. and my mother is a social worker. So both have a very strong so- social conscience, um, both very community-minded, both very engaged in what's going on in their community and the wider world and very keen to ensure that their children were the same. So um, from a very early age, we were very aware of broader issues I suppose within society than what you know your average seven eight nine year old might be I also knew very early on that I had no interest in being in politics yeah <laughs> um but that I was very engaged in it and I went on to study political science as a major at university and because both my parents now are at very opposite ends of the political spectrum so yeah. um you know you had one feeding one view and the other feeding the other so I thought I'm going to go to university try and make up my mo- own mind and left essentially more confused than ever about, um, you know, about the world and uh, and how it should work, I suppose. Interesting and potentially too deep question for this quick Never. in the uh, in the interview. But your, your parents split up and I, my parents split up also and I found that that was the time when I started to become more interested in things that were related to performance. Did you did you feel like that? I mean, because, you know, journalism yeah. is there is an element of performance in that, wanting to be on the telly and do that kind of stuff. Like they're, they're, you need to not be a shy person. I find that side of things actually quite difficult. I was the only one of three kids in my family who didn't do performing arts or drama at school. I get very self-conscious if I have to act or perform. Mm-hmm. I see delivering news as not performing but delivering information and that's something very straight down the line that I'm quite comfortable with but as soon as you ask me to act up or pretend or you know be the class clown I get very very self-conscious and awkward. (laughs) But how does that go in this gig because that is a huge part of that. Yeah well I I think with the Today Show in particular you are yourself for Mm. three and a half hours on air there is no hiding who you really are um, and if you try to, you get found out very quickly. Yes, yes. <laughs> Courtesy of one Carl Stefanovic, essentially. <laughs> um, so for me, it just feels like turning up, doing my job and bringing my own personality to it. So in that respect, I'm quite comfortable because I don't have to play up to anything mm. or act around it. So I suppose that's that's how I 
make myself feel comfortable. I think your parents probably gave you a huge gift in educating you pretty early about things like mm. politics and news. And, and I always found, especially now doing this kind of commentary, one of the hardest things for me is I didn't have an upbringing like that. So I, I really felt like I was teaching myself mm. everything from the very beginning. And one of the great assets in commentary is having a knowledge that spans decades, you know, and an understanding of things where you were sort of, even if you were only partially immersed in it early, mm. that really helps you because history repeats yes. all the time. So I'm sh- uh, was it have, do you feel like that's been a benefit um, for you? Yes and no. I think you have to learn from scratch anyway. You have to be able to formulate your ideas, think critically, think cynically at times um, and find and formulate your own opinions on things because a lot of the time your upbringing can impact the way you think. I, I know a lot of people, um, I was I went to a state school that was in a, a private school system, so I know a lot of people who were brought up in very conservative families who just think that is the way of the world. Mm. Um, I know other people from my school who were brought up in very liberal families and think that is the way of the world. And that's why I took myself uh, to political science classes to try to educate myself on the broader spectrum of things and, and try to gain very different understandings and I suppose get a, a better idea of why that person thinks that way whereas that person thinks that way and what is it that has led to those opinions. And I feel, you know, I'm I'm only 30 years of age. I say only because I think um, uh, relatively speaking, I suppose that's fairly young to be um, in a position like mine. And I know there are things that I didn't live through that are brought up on our show on a regular basis. And in that sense, it feels like a disadvantage. But I know that in time, I will be that person that lived through yeah. the election of Donald Trump Definitely. as president. And I can say where I was that day, how I lived that day, how I felt that day and what I thought that day and what happened in the in the following years. So I guess it's, you know, it's just living life and Mm. waiting for the experiences to come and formulating those opinions along the way. What did you do before? What was your first job before you got into media? My very first job was McDonald's. Yeah, me too. Um, (laughs) Me too. And I I really hit my peak when I was on the delivery of the (gasps) drive-through. <laughs> Drive through window Not number one ordering. or two. No, number two. Oh. Ordering is a pits. Oh, I loved. You <laughs> see, oh, you know, number one window. Hang drive- on, I'm having deep deja vu. We've had this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Drive through window number one. I loved because no. you sat down the whole time. You made burger collars, the the little uh, cardboard things and that went around the burgers. And you folded the Happy Meal boxes. You folded the Happy yep. Meal boxes. You made up the little uh, drink cartons, and you also tended to get hit on by men yeah, that's true. who had no idea what you looked like. They were just at the little thing. They'd say, uh, can I have a Big Mac meal, uh, a chocolate sundae, and your number? Oh, yeah. The number of times I said, mate, you don't even, I could be heinous. I know. You could come to drive-thru number one and I could be absolutely awful. You don't know what you are Don't know what you're getting. But you were on drive-thru window number two. two Because I I was, I don't like isolation and you were isolated in that box (laughs) all on your own with all the Big Macs in the world to keep you company, which is very dangerous. But um, I liked the action of of number two and and just doing your own thing, looking at the screen straight out the window, see you later 
Macs. Yeah. You know? How long yeah. did you work at Macca's for? I was there for like three years, three and a uh, half years. It would have been, well, I signed up pretty much 14, nine months on did the I? dot, just desperate to be able to buy my own clothes and not wear hand-me-downs anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I went straight to McDonald's, got the job there, and I, I was there until grade 12, so a couple of years. But for the last year, I was turning up for a four-hour shift every fortnight because I was doing so much sport and whatnot, so there were a lot of sick calls. Then I moved into pubs. Well, I did a gap year, oh, yeah. and then my brother was running pubs and bars in Brisbane, so I was pulling beers and serving um, rum and co- a lot of rum and coke oh. in Brisbane. But the, actually, my first pub experience was um, at an event called Regatta Fest at the Regatta Hotel, an iconic pub in Brisbane. Mm. My brother was a manager at the time. I think I had just turned 18 and he hired me for the day to clean the ladies' toilets. <laughs> and Regatta Fest it's is horrible. Well, it's large. Let's say it's large. (laughs) And um, it was nasty. The toilet, it was an eye-opening, life-altering experience (laughs) working in the toilets at the Regatta Fest for two days in a row. No, it was one whole long day and it was, yeah, it was interesting. But yeah, What a a baptism of of fire. Yeah, a lot of time spent behind bars um, and then also at Chalk Hotel in Brisbane. I worked for him too. So a lot of bar time while I was starting my career at Channel 9. At the age of 19, I started there. You had a gap year. What was that like? Did you feel like you grew up a lot? Did you change a lot in that year? Enormously, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I So coming from Queensland, because we finished school at the age of 17, it's not that common to do a gap year, not as common as it is for Victorians and New South Wales kids. So I wasn't exactly sure what I was signing up to, thought I just want to get out of town, travel overseas, see the world, meet some new people, have a great time. Didn't realise it was just an excuse to get really drunk for 12 months. Um, (laughs) Of course, being the adaptable person I am, I got on on. board. Yes, with a bomb. I embraced it (laughs) and I think I came out um, top of the class. So anyway, um, but no, look, seriously, it was a terrific experience and it took me right out of my comfort zone. I didn't know anyone when I went over. It just gave me a lot more confidence in myself as a person, as a woman, as someone moving forward into a career and getting yourself out of that mould that you find yourself in or that pigeonhole you find yourself in in high school, Yeah, you know, when it's conform, conform, conform mm. and make people happy. I was school ha- school captain in me year too. 12. So, yes. You I was and me, just, I tell just you. Same, we're just twins. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was, it was get out of that mould, find your way in that big wide world. Um, and I came back and did find it very hard, I think, to settle in for probably at least a year back mm. in Brisbane because – I didn't have anyone to talk about it to and I and I lived this great experience and um, had to sort of put it aside and carry on as though nothing had happened. So that was a bit tricky. I guess you feel a lot more independent. Were you not a terribly independent person no, I've, before I've, you left? Or? I'm pretty ind- I think I was – my mum, I think, would say I was pretty independent as yeah. a teenager um, and always been pretty, you know, self-motivated and worked pretty hard. We certainly weren't, you know – cotton wool kind of kids Mm. so it it wasn't a hugely daunting thing for me to go over Um, in fact I kind of went over without really even thinking about it it just happened so I did grow in independence but I think I more than anything grew in confidence and Mm. self-esteem what about when you came back were you straight to journalism school because you were saying you started you started in media from 19 so I came back and um, I had deferred uni for a year went straight back to uni and picked up my journalism degree started that and about six months in, I got a job at Channel 9 as a junior script assistant was the official title, but 
basically bottom of the barrel gopher is uh, yep. <laughs> probably, probably more appropriate. But a terrific role. And I was so, I mean, that that's why I'm here today, because I started there in, in that gig. And uh, yeah, so it was, it was running scripts to the newsreaders. It was rolling auto cue. And it seems simple, but rolling an auto cue for someone is potentially the most terrifying thing you can do so in the newsroom. For the uninitiated, talk us through the process. Obviously, the auto cue is what the newsreader is reading, yep. but are you manually. So there's a little wheel yes. that controls it. So I'm sitting there in front of a computer with the auto cue words in front of me, and I'm scrolling it with a wheel. And you can scroll too fast, or you can scroll too low, or you can have it too high or. <sighs> too low or whatever so and different newsreaders like the words at a different level and I was 19 years old rolling the auto cue for my icons for these icons of Queensland journalism Bruce Page and Heather Ford and all I wanted to do was roll up in a ball and die because I was so scared that the news would go to hell and yeah. it would be all my fault because I'd stuffed up the auto cue. so did you ever did that ever happen nothing major the first time they got me to trial it once in a pre-recorded kind of environment and I did not do well and right. there were a few expletives <laughs> sprayed across the room not from me at me and um that was my first day on the job and so I thought that's it I'm out of here not coming back but they must have been desperate and they allowed me to come back to the building the next day and continue to allow me to roll the auto cue but um yeah so I did all those sorts of things I never had to run a coffee for someone mm-hmm. um but I did just about everything else there is to do that's a I know that you say it's a sort of sm- small entry gig but in this business often just getting the foot in the door yeah no matter what you're doing if it's you know printing off something if somebody sees something in you you just have to be in the building for that right person to see you oh for sure I have no doubt that, that job has led me to this today that's um you know if I hadn't started that I'd, I'd who knows what you know where I would have ended up or what kind of path I would have ended up going down but that set me up I was learning off tremendously experienced people who were very generous with their support and guidance and I just was super eager I gave up weekends to be there for free I gave up all my holidays to work and do extra hours and and do work experience with the journalists on the road and producers and step by step I was taking on more responsibility until the point where I ended up uh, reporting full-time so my first reporting gig though was at a show called Extra not the newsroom Mm. so Extra was that show on at 5 30 p.m before the news for Queenslanders I think it was on for 11 years Sydney it didn't last as long but it was an institution in Brisbane Mm. and it was it was kind of like a really soft version of a current affair and right. very local, like best cereals for your family and how to get rid of the ants out of your backyard. <laughs> so my very first story on air, which I think is somewhere on YouTube, oh, sadly, of course it is. Um, was the benefits of having a mini water tank in your backyard. Important. Important. For the environment. Ahead of your time, Ahead, I know. You know. Now climate change and the environment, know, very, very see, important. Mini water tanks, <laughs> they are the key to having a good, luscious backyard. And the cameraman who shot that is still working at the Today Show and he takes great delight in bringing it up with me quite often about how stiff and horrible I was to shoot that day. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, you know, you sort of just – you just have to be so willing, don't you, to take anything on. Mm. And that's what I learnt doing – Everything in, you know, from running the news library and filing footage to working as a PA for the news director um, to working as a researcher, producer and reporter for Extra and a producer in the newsroom is you just take everything on, give it a go, see what you're good at, see what you enjoy, see where you excel 
um, and then slowly you'll figure out what your path is going to be and, and you can just wait for opportunities to come up and jump at them when they feel appropriate. That work ethic also sticks out like a sore thumb. Oh, in a place people. like this for sure too. Mm. There are a lot of people, there are, you know, we get told all the time there are a thousand people banging down the door to take your job. Yeah. And it's probably quite true because it is a terrific job. Why wouldn't you want to do it? But I think a lot of people have a, a, a there's a misconception, I suppose, about what is involved in putting the news to air mm. um, or any television show for that, for that matter to air. Um, and if you are willing to roll up your sleeves, put your head down, work your backside off and put in the hours, then you will stand out and... And the other thing too, which I've noticed when people come through for work experience is just an attitude um, and a willingness to learn from people who can help them. We don't expect the work experience kid to come in and know everything. Mm. We expect the work experience to come in and want to learn and want to absorb and take things away from the people who've been doing the job for a while. So be eager, but be willing to learn and be yeah. willing to ask questions and, and take advice and take guidance and don't take it personally if it's if you're, t- if you're receiving that guidance. It's a good thing, you know. Yeah, I'm you always – yeah, and that's the whole point of being in and doing that kind of work. Mm. And I think that when you are the type of person that wants to drink in everything and is willing to put in the hours and stuff, you really set yourself apart. But I'm always amazed at the people that come in and they assume there is an attitude and an arrogance mm. that comes with the job that they need to display. And I think to yourself, you know, the people that have been here for 30, 40 years aren't displaying that arrogance. No. So that's a good lesson yeah. in the fact that that actually isn't, despite what it looks like from the outside looking in, it's the people who work their butt off and are, you know, humble about it and think this is a hard job that I need to work hard at that go the distance. You only have to look as far as Ken Sutcliffe. Every time I speak to Kenny, and I was very lucky and fortunate to have worked quite closely with him for a while in the 6pm news studio, every time you speak to him, he is wanting to learn something new. He's talking about how he's working harder on his social media or he's Mm. uh, working across that new program and he is so eager after so many decades in the business to learn new skills, to upskill, to take on new challenges and to share his experience as well uh, with the younger people in the office. So you you never stop learning in this business. It changes so rapidly. No one who is you know, up the top, so to speak, is resting on any laurels. No. It is it is an ever-evolving landscape and you've got to be on the ball and you've got to be willing to adapt. Kenny Sutcliffe also has eyes you could get lost oh, in for days. They just smile into your heart. I've only met him <laughs> once and that was on the couch on the grill, mixed yeah. grill. And I swear to God, I mean, the lights could have gone down on the studio, the show could have been over and I would have still sat there and looked at him all day His long. eyes would light up the world if it all Holy went Holy mother know. of God. I know. It is uncomfortable how attractive that he man is. so attractive. And that voice, by the way. He is just, and just a nice guy. He's the best. Anyway, I mean, I we could talk about it for hours. And let's not start on Peter Ovenen as well. <laughs> By the way, they're just, just a couple of legends of del- two of them. Yeah, delightful, nice guys that you just think, you know what, you deserve every success. They really do. Yeah. They really do. And that's, you know, that's an example of, of a really strong friendship that has lasted quite some distance because they are genuinely hardworking, generous, mm. supportive people in this game. Um, and, you know, it's it's always heartening to see those people. Isn't For sure. It? Uh, Did you, I mean, you've, goals. you've started, you started early at 19 and... Have you gone all the way through, no breaks, from sort of one gig yeah. to the next? Yeah, there have been times when I've sort of flirted with going overseas or, you know, just packing up and giving it a go on my own. But um, there's always been another opportunity that's come on, I think, before I've 
taken that leap. That's a lucky um, situation to it be is. in. It is. Oh, I, I couldn't feel more fortunate um, and certainly grateful for the ride I've had at nine so far. Mm. Um, I've always sort of jumped from one job to the next at exactly the right time, I think. And I think that's very much the nature of this network in a sense because our head of news and current affairs, Darren Wick, is very good, I think, at taking people from the bottom and sort of moulding or crafting a path for them and just giving people different opportunities, giving them a go because you just never, like I said earlier, you just never know what you're going to be good at. And so I've had so many great opportunities along the way and I've sucked at some things. I've been better at others and it's just been a pretty interesting learning experience. But it's it's so bizarre to think that I haven't had to write a CV since I was 19 years of age and I'm quite happy about it, to be honest. But it's it's just... it, I feel like it just keeps chugging along um, and it's a nice way to be. And I've always known that there's something new to try at this network. And particularly for women, there are so many opportunities at this network and I know that we are valued and I know that there are always going to be different doors, different windows to jump through. It gives hope and it, and it gives um, a feeling of my future is here and there's always going to be something to look forward to. Huge difference I noticed having only started working a lot in TV a couple of years ago, Mm. particularly here because you guys were the first sort of network that I started to work a lot with, very, very different to radio. How so? In terms of that there is no mentoring. I know a lot of radio, um, you know, there is no um, forever in TV either, but certainly in radio I think a lot of people going through radio feel very, very vulnerable Mm all the time and there is absolutely no guarantee so that was one of the interesting things that I felt coming in here particularly even just from an other female sort of thing Mm. you know I've always found it very weird to me that women are competitive with other women Mm. I'm very competitive with myself and I I find it was very hard for me to find other successful women who you could really bond with whereas here that seems very much a part of the culture yeah the idea that you do come up through the ranks the cadetship you go you you do your time out you know there's quite a long trajectory mm. to a career I, I've, I found that a really lovely thing yeah yeah that I sort of hadn't experienced before well I think the game has changed significantly say in the last decade at least And naturally, it is a competitive environment because, like I said, a lot of people want the jobs, but it's a very diverse environment and there are so many opportunities across the network that I don't think we all, it's not like everyone feels like you're fighting for the one job anymore because perhaps a decade or two decades ago, the opportunities were limited. Mm. They are so much more open now and there is a spot just about for everyone and women are valued and we know we are valued and I I think some brainiac has finally realized that well a very large portion of the audience is female and maybe they want to be spoken to by a female and oh wow how uh it's amazing what a miracle you know so um what what a novel concept so it's a good place to be did you have any um mentors that have sort of spied you from the very early days that have helped you move through yeah it's interesting i haven't had a you know an official mentor someone who i've said will you mentor me through my career and Mm. let's catch up every three weeks or whatever. But I have taken a lot from various women along the way and all in very different ways. One of them would be Alison Ariotti, who's in our Brisbane newsroom, who's one of my closest friends. Mm -hmm. She, when I was 19 and nervous about seeing Wally Lewis in the corridor and Heather Ford (laughs) sitting across the table from me and things like that, 
she would always come. She was a sort of um, senior journalist, I suppose, in the newsroom at the time. She would sit on, perch herself on my desk. How are things? How's life? How's uni? How are you going here? How are you coping with the hours? Things like that. And just reach out and make me feel like I belong there. Mm. Like I had a place there um, as though people were interested in me and that I had a future there. And it was, you know, it didn't seem like a significant thing for her, I'm sure, because she's that kind of person. But for me, it was huge. And it, yeah, it gave me that sense of belonging and as though I enjoyed being there as well. I wasn't just terrible terrified of everyone and we have we to this day call each other whenever we have we are at a crossroads at work or we have to face a tough phone call with a boss we call each other and we cancel each other through it Um, and then we debrief afterwards so she's been someone who has helped to guide me and um, help me through many transitions throughout my career so far today I sit next to Lisa Wilkinson every day and I can pick her brain on anything and you know, how fortunate am I to have that, to have, to be sitting next to one of the most respected and experienced journalists in the country. And generous and, and generous. delightful. Yeah, absolutely. All of those things. All like, of the things. Yeah, <laughs> so, all of the things. Um, and, and not just professionally, but personally, you know, she is so generous with me. That was the one thing yeah. that I noticed when I first started. Like she, her and I hadn't worked together before, but she was just, it, the whole team, in fact, mm. every t- when I first turned up here, Everybody hugged me, hello, welcome to the show. You know, that that mm. doesn't happen a great deal. But, well, oh, lovely to have you on, great. And you're like, oh, my God, like yeah. I'm, I'm the new People kid. People are so nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's going exactly. on? <laughs> now, it would be remiss of me if I didn't touch on a few of the worst stories that you've done in your yep. time because naturally this is part of the gig, you mm-hmm. know. you For every, you know, breaking news story that is genuinely going to make a difference in the world, there is a story on which spray tan is better oh yeah we've done that we've (laughs) all done that um I think potentially my lowest point (laughs) was (laughs) I love sentences that begin uh, like that (laughs) a dog fashion parade in Brisbane one of the galleries was had some kind of Valentino exhibition so they ran a fashion parade for your dogs and you had to dress them in red for Valentino and I had to do a full one minute 20 package on the dog fashion parade and which one stood out from the rest. How many cliches do you think oh, was in that? Oh, I can't story? even. I, do you know what? It actually pains me to think about what that script was. I'd love to go back and find it actually. It's probably I should have dug that out for you. That's there the was, one thing oh, though is kind of, it's, ra- it's thank goodness it's not raining cats and dogs like, here because. Like, oh. It's Victoria Conningstone, <laughs> you know, the cat fashion parade and here I am actually doing it yeah. for an actual news story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've all got it, but it's all part. Of we the laugh path at Anchorman, but yeah. we all have our own Anchorman <laughs> moments. And then there was another one that I did in Brisbane on these stickers. My friend yesterday reminded me of this. Actually, she said, "I'll never forget the story you did on those stickers that you put on your wheelie bins just to dress them up and you know jazz them up a little bit." Oh, wow. <laughs> Something that was being sold at some exhibition, and I had to again do a whole package on it and again full of puns yeah of course of course that is the great thing about these kind of news packages no information (laughs) just all gags so I love that there are people that care enough about the state of their wheelie bin to put stickers on I know I'm not sure how that business is going today yeah no probably not great I did my bit for them back then yeah I'm sure they appreciated (laughs) it greatly uh what about like the opposite end of the spectrum the tough stories what do you reckon's Mm. the most moving story or the most important story that you've done over the time? The Queensland floods, I think, for me, was one that 
probably will always stay with me for a number of reasons, but it was the first time, you know, I'd travelled Queensland to cover a number of cyclones, but this was happening in my backyard and I knew people who were affected by it. I knew people who were moving out of their homes and, and things like that. And I was sent to Ipswich to cover it, which is only about 45 minutes from Brisbane, but we were cut off on the road, so we couldn't get back that night. So we were stuck, well, we were there to cover the story for a number of days without any spare underwear, by the way. Um, But it, it was just loss and destruction on an enormous scale in a place that I'm so familiar with. Um, happening to people that I know and that was kind of overwhelming I suppose but it was also as a journalist a time when you appreciate the value of your job because there are days when you're covering a dog fashion parade when you think (laughs) I hope at least this brings a smile to someone's face (laughs) but in this case you would you were advising people on when the flood was going to peak, how it was going to impact their home, which areas were going to be impacted, where they can go when they need help and what they're entitled to in the wake of it and things like that. And and you are doing a service that you can be proud of. So that will always stay with me, I suppose. And, and it's um, those stories like that where you feel you're doing something really worthwhile. Would another memorable, though perhaps not as moving story, have been when you ended up with Richard Branson sitting oh. in a bathtub after reading the Kama Sutra? Memorable. <laughs> okay, I'm going to pick you up on two points there. Okay. I did not read the Kama Sutra, okay. although he suggested he that okay, we right. do. Mm-hmm. And I also declined his invitation to get into the bathtub. Okay, it's important we all have boundaries. And wasn't my mother proud? <laughs> Is, was that an interesting... Because this he strikes oh. me as one of those sort of... He was fascinating. Interesting characters. So casual. It was like sitting down and talking to someone you've known for 20 years, although we had arrived perhaps a little earlier than expected. Actually, I don't think so. I think we were right on time, but he just wasn't ready. He'd been napping, so I think that had a bit of a party the night before with the staff. I mean, the life of a billionaire. Um, Well, why not? Sure, why not? (laughs) So we we had to wake him up, and then he came over, and he was a bit dazed and confused and disoriented, and it took him a while to warm up. But as soon as he saw the Kama Sutra, he was on. So, um, no, that was fun. And then we sat down, and he was just really casual and really happy to talk about anything. You know, you, you speak to a lot of celebrities, um, actors, models, whatnot, and you're very restricted in what you can ask and where you can go when you've got four or five minutes. And he was up for a chat, no boundaries. We had, you know, forever to talk. It was no drama. And, yeah, he's he is a cool customer, mm. really cool customer, just a hippie who's earned a heap of money. Really. There's a reason for his success and it's so good from your perspective. Whenever you're sitting across, like you're so right about those celebrity interviews, I oh, yeah. Oh, they're, they're frustrating. I hate them so much. I was about to use another F word then. <laughs> <laughs> I could have beeped. I hate them because immediately I'm, I'm very, very conscious in social situations of people who do not want to be in a room with me mm. and I exit immediately if that is the case. This, unfortunately, is one of those things where not only is the, there the pressure of getting something that isn't shit mm. on tape, but you know immediately this person does not want to talk to you. They're not interested. They have contempt for you. You mm-hmm. are the media. You represent everything that means that you Even are trying to trip them up. You're trying to help make their film a success and earn them heaps more money. Exactly. Uh, so when you sit down with somebody like Richard Branson who's like, mate, let's just chat, chat. let's vibe off each yeah, other. Jump like, in the bathtub, whatever. Yeah. You're like, this is so It's so awesome. refreshing. Exactly. It's so cool. And you. that's why you just jump on and 
enjoy the ride. Yeah, That's not, that. <laughs> not so much. Just uh, just get comfortable and enjoy the interview. And interesting the difference between different people because if Donald Trump had have jumped in a bathtub with a you know oh. you would have felt creeped out. Of but course. isn't it interesting? There's some of those blokes who were just so non-threatening. He's not threatening and, at all. Yeah, he's, he's got this this reputation obviously as being the party boy, mm. having a good time, loves a joke, and so you know. He is genuinely having a joke. He's yeah. playing up to the stereotype. Um, it's part of his shtick. He's not genuinely being a creep. So I didn't feel at that. all feel. And yeah. I've got a pretty good radar when it comes to creeps. Oh, yeah, me but too. But I didn't feel creeped out by him at all. What about starting on the on the Today Show? This is, you know, a big – you've obviously, prior to, to the Today Show, you worked a lot in media and you were already well-known and on the telly. But this is another level mm. of knownness. Uh, it's quite amazing how much scrutiny there is on Breakfast television yeah how did you deal with Mm. coming to a show that has that level of eyes on you um I dealt with it by phoning my mum on a regular basis in the first six (laughs) months it was tricky it was uh and and nothing can really prepare you for it because it's a it's a different vibe to use a a term from what's that film Oh, from um, uh, the, the castle. castle. <laughs> yeah. um, sorry, this is my brain after 9am. It all switches off. Please. <laughs> um, so, you know, you go from being a journalist on the road, sitting in gutters at crime scenes, covering stories and, you know, being out and about every day and being on air for a minute and a half potentially um, during a six o'clock bulletin to then being on air for three and a half hours. And we average, you know, sort of maybe 300,000 per hour I suppose but we're on air for three and a half hours so so over a show we can catch over a million viewers so I suppose it's it's pretty well seen it's Uh, also completely like there's a lot of attention played on on things like news.com and it's a lot of that is rehashed through the day so people don't have to be sitting in front of the mm. telly they see and have access to your show 24 hours a day and for whatever reason there is quite a bit of interest in breakfast television and the people who front it and that um happened at a time when I had started dating Pete as Mm. well, my partner Pete, who's also in the media. And so I suppose that kind of amplified the interest a little bit as well. And so we went from being nobodies to having photographers follow us around the place, which was pretty bizarre. Hello. <laughs> this is what happens when I you're know. doing it at Channel Nine. Everyone wants to know what we're doing in here. I, lo- I love waiting to see to the see look on the face <gasps> when they realise. Whoops! Because you don't expect to come into that's a dressing Jess from, room. That's Jess from Wardrobe. <laughs> she was probably coming in to sort out something of mine. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry Jess. <gasps> so yeah, so it w- it was a really interesting transition, and by interesting, I mean difficult. Yeah, <laughs> um, at times, but you know, at at the same time, I had just my dream job a job that I thought maybe I'd be lucky to get another 10 or 20 years time so I was thrilled and excited um, and extremely grateful but just adjusting with that new level of attention was certainly um, a challenge. Do you Mm. feel now obviously this is a show you've wanted to do for a long time it is kind of the pinnacle you know in a lot of ways do you feel like you've made it? Um, I don't know I I feel I I look just about every day I drive home and I think gee I'm lucky to have that job Mm. and I'm so happy to have that job so I feel like I've certainly achieved something that I'm really proud of and I've achieved something that um, I'm really happy about but have I made it? I don't know what's making it. Life just evolves so rapidly. Television evolves so rapidly. Journalism evolves so rapidly. 
I don't know what is going to be the pinnacle in five years' time or in 10 years' time or 15 years' time. And at 30, I've got a very long career ahead of me, hopefully. Mm. Um, And if the government has anything to do with it, I'll probably have another 40 years until I retire. So (laughs) I'm going to have to keep finding new frontiers, aren't I? Something um, to do, yeah. yeah, But I I don't know. I I certainly feel like I'm in a, a really fortunate position and not just because for people it seems like it's a great job it really is a great job and you have access to people from all walks of life every single day people who are achieving something enormous some someone who's just been through something awful but perhaps who's gaining support from the community and you're meeting politicians people who run business people who run the world people Mm -hmm. I haven't met Donald Trump yet, but <laughs> <He'll come laughs> he might time. come on at some yeah. stage. Um, people who run our country, and that's a great privilege. There's a great privilege in having access to people like that every single day. What do you think is the best and the worst thing about this business? The worst thing is my alarm clock oh, hell. Um, at 3.20 a.m. every day. You um, know what I've always thought? It's the same in radio with that breakfast radio is the coveted position. I've mm. always thought to myself, why are the, the, the top of the tree gigs the ones with that the you, bad hours? Oh, man, I know. they suck. I know. It's it's rubbish getting up at 3.20. Yeah. But as soon as you're up, it's fine. You just you're carry on, on getting the shower, happy days. But the best thing is the people, the people you work with and the people that you're exposed to out on the road, in the studio. But, you know, most of my best friends too come from this network mm. um, because, you know, you're not exactly a shy person yeah, probably true. if you're working in media. And so I have made some fabulous friends with people who are interesting, charismatic, intelligent and inspirational as well so it's, it's a pretty cool job in that in that respect but just the people you're exposed to every day you know we went from I remember the day after Melbourne Cup we went from interviewing Michelle Payne who was all of a sudden my new hero to interviewing Portia de Rossi and she referred to me by my name Portia de Rossi oh, referred wow. to me but hi Sylvia yeah well da 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 I thought geez I have just like yeah is that <laughs> I can retire go home see you later because you know? that's <laughs> the other interesting thing is that because you are you know you're still you but you're mm. on a high profile show and so there's obviously people that you're meeting that would you would have watched on telly through the years or seen you know that mm. would now go oh hey Sylvia and you go what the how, how, yeah. how do you how do you what oh, <laughs> is that weird that's still got to so be weird, weird. Yeah. it's so bizarre and well Ken Sutcliffe is one of them um, Wally Lewis and Pete says this too all the time he still makes him nervous when he sees him yeah. you know and, he, and Wally Lewis is the nicest guy <laughs> in the world you know he wouldn't make an ant feel intimidated but mm. he's um he is a tremendous guy and he still makes you nervous because he's the king so it is you know you pinch yourself a lot that yeah. you i'm sitting next to people who i deeply admire and respect every single morning and they're not only my colleagues but they're my friends and i think that's awesome you know mm. and and i certainly do not take that for granted all right things are coming to the end all uh, right. i have what i call the final five uh sometimes i ask five questions but from time to time if i'm particularly interested in something that doesn't quite fit into the theme of the show i do have a sixth question so it's really hoping not. for some kind of ninja warrior kind of like <laughs> obstacle course please <laughs> can we please let me quickly whip something up in carl stefan Novig's dressing room. I think there'll be can some find- obstacles in here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we can find a few things. Uh, okay, first question: Your biggest regret? Either some, it could be a gig you said no to, a gig Ooh. you didn't, you did that you wish you didn't. Um, it could also be you have none. Oh, that's hard. Maybe it's not getting a selfie with Renee Zellweger when she was in the studio. <laughs> was that pre or post new face? Oh, come on now. We're pro-woman in here. 
We are definitely pro woman, but we also have vision. It's so true. We can, clear vision. Yes, clear I can vision. tell that she is very different to the lady it she was used post to be. In face. She was in the studio recently, um, and she was so sweet and was really cool meeting her. And I missed. I, I, Obviously, I didn't miss my chance to get a photo with McDreamy, but Renee was out of the building by the time I got around to her. Look, uh, look, do you know what? I think there will potentially come a time where I will regret not going overseas to work for a period of time, but I feel like that door is still open. Your Well, I feel like the answer might be the one you have right now, but your dream gig or something that you haven't crossed off the bucket list yet, obviously working overseas. Yeah, working overseas. Um, you know, you, you watch things like the presidential election and – you know, wouldn't you like to be a part of history standing on that street um, mm. among the voters who have just elected the most unpredictable, <laughs> uncharacteristic <laughs> president potentially in America's history? I think certainly in Definitely. America's history. Yeah. And to be a part of history like that is a pretty remarkable thing. But I also, you know, as much as that, I say that's a regret, the path I've taken has led me to this. So I can't really regret it. I feel like maybe it's one thing I haven't ticked off, but I certainly wouldn't change anything along the way because I'm where exactly where I want to be right now. Um, this is obviously the business of ideas. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I have like notepads full of ideas everywhere, mm. things that I'm going to start. Do, do you have any big idea that you have wanted to get up that never got up or was there anything um, in the? I'm always thinking mm. about what's next and I'm well aware of the fact that media is changing and people are consuming media in very different ways and that's only going to you know probably increase in in pace over the years and I've thought about apps I've thought about websites I've thought about things like that but at the moment for me that's a distraction because you know I've got a pretty busy job and and a pretty um, it's a pretty great privilege to have this job so I sort of just put my head down and focus on it but I, I am always thinking I'm always you know, podcasts even, you know, there's so, there are so many ways to engage with people, mm-hmm. which is a really exciting prospect. And so I'm always on the lookout. But no, I'm not smart enough to come up with that do gazillion you- dollar app that's going to, you know, Wouldn't we all make me to? a fortune. Do you go so far with the websites and things as I do, which is I get an idea. I think mm. it's a great idea. And then I immediately go and buy the domain and yeah. I have about 300 domains. <laughs> My friend has bought me a couple of domains yeah. for me. She's She's a bit – she's cut from the same cloth as you, I think. Yeah. I did actually have an idea for an app once and I took it to a developer and then it just never went anywhere. But I think that was just me after a run and I was feeling really great and optimistic and then it all obviously wasn't going anywhere because it was a stupid idea from the start. <laughs> These are the ones that I always have, ones that already know, exist. My friend came to me the other day, bless her cotton socks, I love her to pieces, but she's not very tech savvy. She is just recently got into yoga instructing and she said, God, do you know what would be great? to do like a podcast or an app or something where you actually just say the yoga class and people can follow along at home. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that there's exists. about 70,000 of those. And, and it was, oh, okay, all right, no worries. <laughs> I have been known actually to phone up my boss here after a Pilates class and say, hey, boss, had a great idea. We should do this da, 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 on the show. And he'll be like, that's a ridiculous idea. <laughs> like put the phone down and go and have a rest. So <laughs> like, have you been at Pilates Too much again? oxygen yeah. to the brain Please, sometimes is no not more. a good thing. Uh, if you were weren't doing this in terms of working in media what yeah. would you be doing I think maybe psychology really? um, which is probably my mum's influence or lead singer in a rock band are you a good singer no oh. but it's, that's my dream I'm a <laughs> singer okay. I'm a terrible terrible singer but I love music and I just love the joy in music and I wish I could 
be a musical person, but I'm not. Okay. So I would maybe try and find a way to be involved in that somehow. Well, in the days of auto-tune, it's yeah. not really that. Is- I mean, Britney Spears oh, has made a career hello. out of it. You know? Mime it. I can mime. <laughs> yes, there is hope for you, yeah. Uh, and advice for people who want to get into the business. As we were saying earlier, work hard um, and learn from everyone around you. Get a job as soon as you can in the industry, as young as you can, um, even if it's four hours a fortnight, which was what mine was to begin with, or eight hours a fortnight, I think it was. Take a job, get yourself in the sight of employers and just keep saying yes to stuff. Just try everything. Final question. Uh, I usually call it my Lee Sales question uh, because it's completely non-hard hitting. Oh, um, right. <laughs> it throws you off the scent. Yeah. Uh, the final question, what is something that you love or something about you that would surprise people? Because I feel quite often when we talk about things, there are certain things. Yeah. Because on telly you're quite a girly girl. But there are oh, certain. Am I? Well, you know, you. <laughs> Not at all. But the hair, the makeup, the dress, it, yeah. it, it, it hides sort of an inner tomboy and there's often conversations that we have from time to time where you'll sort of spring something gross. out. Gross? I'm gross? Yeah. <laughs> you are pretty gross. You are pretty gross. Um, is there anything like people, my love of John Farnham always surprises oh, yeah. people because it is a love that is potentially, you know, the guy might need an AVO out on me yeah. one day. Like I am full blown. It's a serious love. It's serious. Yeah. Um, I, well, I, I am a tomboy. I was definitely a tomboy when I was a kid. Um, now I have the benefit of having hair and makeup artists tend to me every single day, which is amazing. Mm. Um, I, I dress heavily for bed. Heavily? Heavily. Like, what do you mean I heavily? Hate, I hate being cold in bed. Like I'm not a... Nude person. I'm not a sexy bed person. I have no idea how any woman is sleeping nude. It's unhygienic. So it's unhygi- got to be unhygienic. <laughs> and uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. And, and just, I cannot. Exposed. No. Not only that, the, the women that insist on the teddies or mm, anything mm. silky. Uh-uh. I, I'm like, I don't, that that is for the sort of two seconds that Mm-mm. you want somebody to go, oh, wow. But then you're rolling around in that. It's getting tangled up. Anytime I've tried to wear anything silky, i got to buzz out. I'm like, oh, you know, yeah, everything's not you know, nice. It's, it doesn't it's sit well. Nice. And then you wake up in the morning, your hair's all gross yeah. and you've got saliva down the mouth. And it's like, <laughs> what was the point of this? Okay, you know? really <laughs> personal question. Yeah. Are you a drooler? I'm a drooler. Oh, no, I am, yeah. I'm a really bad. Yeah. And the I have a bit of an overbite. I cannot help it. And mm. everybody, and you know, I've had I've had many a laugh with past boyfriends and my current boyfriend thinks, you know, I sort of rest on his chest sometimes and then I have to go, oh, oh I'll just pop up. Yeah. And he's like, have you drooled? Yes. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but everybody that thinks it's disgusting says it like it's a conscious thing that I do. I can't help it. I don't know why it happens. I, I go to sleep and I think to myself, what are people that don't drool doing? Are you sleeping with your mouth shut? Yeah, how do you do that? How do you that? do it? I know, I it's know. It's so weird. I always, th- I always thought in high school, because I had these weird, you know, oh, drool, drool in my sleep and occasionally wake myself up with a snore or, you yeah. know, those sorts of things. And you don't see that on television. Never. And you don't see that on the movies. Never. And you think, who are these perfect people? Exactly. Who look amazing all the time and don't do anything gross. Do you know what the truth is? We're all a little bit gross. It's so true. We're all a little bit gross. That's and we so just true. the sooner we just realise that and accept it, the better we'll all feel about ourselves. And on that bit of sage advice, <laughs> I'd like to say thank you, Sylvia. My pleasure. Go be gross. <laughs> Thanks for listening to You've Got to Start Somewhere. Thanks. To subscribe to the podcast, check out other episodes, and keep up to date, head to you've got to start somewhere.com. Hello there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Sylvia Jeffries. I do hope you enjoyed the chat. She is just such a gem of a human. Delightful, humble, 
hardworking and so deserving of her success. I have managed in the days since we spoke to find that story that she did about the rainwater tanks. So if you would like to see her very first story on air, then please head to you've got to start somewhere.com and type Sylvia into the search bar and you'll find her show notes page and you can check out that video. I unfortunately could not find the dog fashion show. I tried so hard. I got so lost in the YouTube rabbit hole, but I could not find it. If you manage to come across it, please, by all means, shoot it on through. If you head to you've got to start somewhere.com, there is a contact page there where you can send me an email and I would certainly love to see it. And I think Sylvia would be really chuffed that it's found the light of day again. Uh, next week on the show, I'm going to be joined by the lovely Larry Emder. You will, of course, know him from his days on The Price is Right. He now hosts the morning show on Channel 7. He's hosted the main event, uh, Celebrity Dog School. We talk a lot about that as well as Celebrity Splash, not all. All the jobs that you do can be spectacular, but Larry talks to me about why he doesn't let negative reviews worry him. I'm a TV host, so I host TV, yep. uh, and a TV critic is a TV critic. critic yeah. So that's the job. You mm. know, I've never begrudged anybody who's written any. I've done some shit, um, <laughs> and I've you know I knew, I knew when I was hosting Celebrity Dog School how bad that was, but it was. Getting my kids through school, That's and it was it. and it was filling in the gaps, mm. you know. So when I read that in the paper that this is the worst piece of television in the history of television, <laughs> then I'm like, I know that. Yeah, yeah. This is my job, yeah. and I'm keeping the balls up in the air. Yeah, and Sylvie wants a new kitchen. So what do you want me to do? <laughs> I hope you'll join me for that chat. Uh, Larry reveals some really interesting stuff about the early days of his career and how he got into it at the ripe old age of 15. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to the show. And I look forward to being back in your ear holes next week. <laughs> 